Welcome to this podcast by The Rocks Church. We hope you find it challenging and inspiring. For more information, visit therocks.church. Good morning. How is everybody doing this morning? I am so happy that all of you are here, whether you're here in person or joining us online, wherever you're tuning in from. I believe it's not a coincidence that you're hearing the sound of my voice right now. Um, Last week, was an amazing week for me and my wife because last week we celebrated our 26th wedding anniversary. That's right, 26 years. I'm telling you, my wife is so lucky to have me. And like, I mean, look at this, right? No, just kidding, just kidding. People always ask me, how'd you get your wife? I don't get it. Did you use um, hypnotism? What, what is it? How can you fool her into marrying you? But uh, I definitely married up like all the men here. And um, not only is my wife beautiful, she also loves Jesus. And she will kick any Philistines that come her way. She is just a fantastic wife. So all the men here, cherish and honor your wife. And you will have a queen. Hey, we are on the last week of our series, Entrusted. And I hope this series has been useful for you as it has been for me, because throughout this series, we are reminded that we are called to be faithful and to be fruitful with a lot of the things that God has entrusted to us. We serve a generous God, and He has given us so many good things in life. And this uh, series is based on a verse written by one of the early followers of Jesus called Peter, where he says, each of you should use whatever gift that you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Now, for those of you who are not followers of Jesus Christ, I want to tell you that we Christians, we serve a very, very loving and generous God. And this God has given us some amazing gifts, including the gift of eternal life. And Jesus said, you know, I come to give you life and life in all its fullness, not just life here on earth, but life that lasts all the way to eternity. And how do you receive this eternal life, you may ask? And Jesus says, simply, just trust me for it. Believe me for it. That's what I came here for. I came to die for your sins. And Jesus did it. He died on the cross for our sins so that Jesus says, when we put our faith and trust in Him, the broken relationship that we have with God can be restored again. And that's amazing. And not only eternal life, but God through Jesus Christ has given us some really, really amazing gift, including our talents, including our opportunities, our time, our strength, our mind, everything that we have, you know, has been entrusted to us from God through Jesus. And we are called to be faithful stewards of all these amazing gifts. And how can we do that? Peter said, You should use whatever gift, and whatever means whatever. And for the past few weeks, we've been talking about how we can be a faithful steward of God's environment, the environment that God has given us, the world that God has entrusted us. Last week, we talked about how we can be faithful stewards of the talents that God has given us to serve others, to volunteer. And this week, as we close this series, we're going to talk about this whatever gift, which is the area of finance or money. To which many of you will think, here we go again. Ah, I knew it. Church and money. Well, I get it. If you're nervous about me talking about money, I'm nervous too. Because I know churches have abused 
this topic a lot. I know quite a few people, actually, who have been disappointed. They've been hurt because of some of the things that church leaders, preachers, televangelists do or have done uh, that cause a lot of hurt and disappointment and misunderstanding. And on, on behalf of the, the Christians worldwide, I want to apologize if that's you, all right? I want to encourage you. Not all of us are like that. There are some good ones out there. Okay, And I'm here to just encourage you and to, to share from the Word of God how we, can be, uh, how we can have a healthy perspective when it comes to money. The reason why we want to talk about money is because Jesus talked a lot about money. I don't know if you know this. That He talked more about money than any other topic when He was on earth. In fact, here's a statistic that you can check. Of the 30 parables of Jesus Christ, 19, 19 out of 30 were said in the context of finance, in the context of economics. For example, the parable of the rich fool, the parable of the talents, the parable of the lost coin, and so many other parables of Jesus revolve around money, which maybe make you think, why did Jesus talk so much about money? Why is it so important to Jesus? Well, the reason why I believe it's important to Jesus, glad you asked, is because Jesus knew. He just knew. He's God in the flesh. He knew the power that money can have over people's lives. That money is so powerful, it can actually take the position of God himself. And that is why in one of his teachings, Jesus said, you cannot serve two masters. You have to choose. You cannot serve both God and money. That's how powerful money is. It can elevate itself in the position of God in your life if you're not careful. That's why Jesus talks so much about money, not because he cares about money, but what he cares about is our attitudes toward money. We want to have a healthy attitude toward money. If I ask you this question, what do you think the answer would be? How do you think people are doing today when it comes to living with financial wisdom from God's perspective? Do you think people are doing well today, generally? I think not. I think people are struggling with money. A lot of Americans spend more than they earn and that's coming to Australia as well. A lot of Australians actually spend more than they earn. They're actually in debt. A lot of people don't give. Even Christians don't give, right? Actually, the, this one stat statistic for you, the richer you are, the more wealthy you are, the less you give. That's just well-known statistics, right? Not just in terms of percentage, sometimes even in terms of actual dollar amount. The more wealthy you are, the less you give. That's why I believe many people in the world, even some Christians, we don't really live out the wisdom from God when it comes to our finance, all right? And there's nothing that God desires more from you than for you to have a healthy perspective when it comes to your money. Not because of Him, because, you know, it's not about God, but it's about how God is so interested in your life. Like Robin said, He loves you so much. He doesn't want you to get entrapped, to get fooled, to get destroyed by money. So, 
with the remaining time that I have, I'm going to show you some quick principles from the Bible, from the teaching of Jesus, from the teaching of the apostles, how we can have a healthy perspective, some healthy principles about finance, all right? I'm going to run through some points very quickly, some points. I'm going to camp a little bit longer, but I'm going to give you a few pointers this morning, all right? Number one is this. This is important. Remember who the true owner is, right? Listen to this psalm. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. God is the real owner of everything that we have in this world. I know this is, maybe for some of you, this is very, very new, but this is what the psalmist says. I know it can be very, very confusing because we work hard for our money, right? We, 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 we struggle for our money. Whatever little that we have, you know, it is, it is our brain, it is our hard work, it is our talent, whatever it is that we use to have that possession. So it, is, can, be, it can be confusing. So I want to show you this little video. It's actually a little skit based on a short story by Wayne Dyer. This short story became so popular that a lot of people adapted it and some even turned it into a skit. So I know you're going to enjoy this. It's called The Cookie Thief. A man was waiting at an airport for a long-distance flight. His flight was delayed and so he had a little spare time. He saw a deal on some cookies and thought he should treat himself. He bought quite a few cookies because he thought it might be quite a long delay. He took a seat near a man and started to read the magazine he also picked up earlier. He exchanged a glance with the other man and then tried to avoid eye contact as he went back to reading. While he was engrossed in his magazine, he happened to see that the man sitting beside him boldly grabbed a cookie from the container. He initially ignored the incident to avoid a scene. He grabbed a cookie himself and went back to his magazine. But the man seemed to have enjoyed the cookie so much he took another one and started eating it too. This continued for a while, and with each passing moment, he began to get more and more irritated. Every time he took a cookie, so did the other man. When the last cookie was left, the man nervously took that cookie and broke it in half. He offered the other to the man and smiled. The man took the cookie and could not believe the other man's nerve. He was thinking in his head, how ungrateful could that man be? The other man then left and took the container with him. This guy couldn't believe what had just happened. He was relieved when his flight was called. He gathered his belongings. As he lifted his bag, he saw that there was a full container of cookies right there. He was totally shocked, totally surprised. It caught him off guard. He thought to himself, if my cookies are here, then wait, those cookies were his. The other man had shared his cookies whilst he was thinking he was the one doing the sharing. Whilst he was angry and irritated, the other man was being generous and kind. He felt so bad for what had happened, but he couldn't find the other man anywhere and didn't know how to apologize. Things are not always as they appear. Sometimes we make quick assumptions about people, circumstances, and situations. We judge them, label them, and put them into a box, not recognizing that there is a much bigger picture. There are a lot of important lessons that we can learn from that short skit. 
a lesson on not judging others or not making assumptions and so on. But there's one other important lesson that I believe we could all learn from, and that is this, that my attitudes toward my cookies depends on whose cookies I think they are. That angry man, for example, he thought because he purchased the cookies, he was so upset and mad when that other guy, you know, started eating what he thought was his cookies, right? But the other man, he purchased the cookies himself, but I don't know what was inside his heart, but it's possible that inside his heart, he believed that even though he purchased the cookies, but they're meant to be shared to begin with. That is, they're not really his to begin with. So your attitude towards your wealth, your possession, depends on whose possession you think they are, right? It is very, very important for us to recognize that God owns everything. Let me remind you again from the same Psalm, Psalm 24. The earth is Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk. <laughs> no, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it, even Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk, God owns everything, right? And because God owns everything, we need to be careful on how we treat what we think is our possession. Maybe we think, oh yeah, I work hard, maybe this is me, this is me. But it's easy to get confused. That's why we need to remember, like the book of Deuteronomy, who reminds us to remember the Lord your God, for it is God who gives us the ability to produce wealth. Not only does God own everything, but our ability to produce wealth. That means your talent, your, 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 your minds, you know, everything comes from God. That's why don't get yourself confused. Why did, did the author say, remember? Because, let me tell you, we tend to forget, don't we? We tend to forget. We like to think it is our strength, our experience, our creativity, our perseverance. We think it is all us that enable us to produce our wealth. But we are reminded, remember, God is the one who gives you even the air that you breathe. Everything comes from God. That's why the lesson for us is this. If God owns everything, that means we are just stewards. We are just managers of God's possession. And we need to act accordingly as faithful managers, as faithful stewards, because we're not the real owners. All right? How many of you have, have used somebody's uh, holiday homes or, or timeshare or whatever before? Like you are given opportunity to stay at someone's house or something, some of you. Uh, a few weeks ago, one of our members, um, they have a holiday home in Bustleton. So they said, hey, anytime you want to take a break, just go and use our house. And we were so grateful. So we took the opportunity to say, well, if, if you don't mind, that would be really, really good. So uh, during the school holiday, we stayed there for what, four or five days. And we enjoyed our time very much in that house. But Hulda, my wife, would not let me touch anything. Oh, take your feet off the table. Don't lie on the couch. I said, why? Sit straight up. It's not our house. He, she wants to make sure that the house stays clean, stays proper. You know, we stayed there five days. Hulda spent the last 24 hours just cleaning the, the house from top to bottom. Someone was asking this morning, why don't you help? Well, that's a conversation for another sermon, okay? <laughs> but the point is, the, the point is, if you are a faithful manager, if you are a faithful steward, you want to take care 
or what have been entrusted to you, right? If someone loan you a car, you want to make sure you fill up the petrol to the full tank, you know? That's because you appreciate what you have been given. That's what faithful stewards do. Because you have to understand, ultimately, they're not ours. Or suppose you need to send an important package to someone who needs it. So you bring that package, pick package to uh, an overnight delivery service. But what happened if the driver had taken the package home for himself instead of delivering it to the person who needs it? What would you do? You would confront the driver, right? And you, you would tell like, what are you doing? And what if the driver had told you, hey, if you didn't want me to have this in the first place, why did you give it to me? What would you re- how, would you, how would your response be? You would say, hey, buddy, that package is not yours. You're supposed to deliver it to someone who needs it. Now, just because God gives you money, it doesn't mean necessarily, all right? It doesn't mean necessarily that you get to keep it because you don't own it. Maybe God wants you to give it to somebody else, but you won't understand that if you think that you own everything. Then you'll be stingy. Then you'll be protective. Then you'll be hoarding, right? Because it's yours. It's mine, 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 mine. Like the movie Finding Nemo. Mine, 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 mine. Because you don't understand that actually it is God who owns everything and we're just stewards. Question is, are we faithful stewards of God's possession. So that's number one. Number two, say no to debt. Say no to debt. Listen to these proverbs. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. Now, we thank God that we don't have slavery anymore in this world today, right? But what if the Australian government wants to introduce slavery in Australia? I guarantee you, every Australian will protest and will say, no, definitely not. That's evil. Slavery is evil. Slavery has been abolished a long time ago in America. But do you know that there are so many modern slaves living in our midst today? That's because of this. Because the borrower is slave to the lender. So many people live beyond their means to the point of destruction. It destroys their marriage, it destroys their family, it destroys everything because of debt. So that's why be careful that you are not in debt. Other than reasonable home loan, other than well-calculated reasonable business loan, maybe, maybe, you are not to be in debt because when you are, that means you become slave, all right? to the lender. If you are in a position of power, if you have a lot of you know, uh, power, a lot of money, make sure that in your dealings, you don't trap people to the point that they're unable to pay. Be careful. And if you are in a position of borrowing, be careful. Think twice, three times, four times before you borrow because that could well be something that would destroy you. And if you are in that situation where your life is basically in shambles because of debt. We have in this church uh, some courses to help you. For example, Cap Money is here. You just need to sign up. Uh, you have a mentor that can help you. Uh, we also have a financial crisis counselor uh, that can help you as well to connect you with the right agent to deal and, uh, on your behalf and so on. We're here for you. But in the first place, try not to get yourself in this situation. Try to avoid. Say no to debt completely, all right? 
That's number two. Number three, very quickly. Teach your children about money. Teach your children about money. Psalm 34 verse 11. Come, my children, and listen to me. I will teach you to honor God, to honor the Lord with your life. What are you teaching your children about money? Maybe some of you say, I don't teach anything my children, to my children about money, but maybe I will do that later. Well, not teaching them anything is teaching them something. Because your kids, I guarantee you, your kids learn about how to manage money. Your kids will have the same attitude toward money as you do, all right? If I go across to the next-gen facility and ask them, hey, children, what did you learn about money from your parents? If I ask them that question, what would they say? Did they learn to be anxious about money? Did they learn to hoard? Did they learn to flaunt? Or did they learn to be generous? Did they learn to be content with what they have? You see, what are you teaching your children about money? It's really, really important. If you teach them well, not just by your words, but by the way you live, let me tell you, that's the best inheritance that you could ever leave them. No matter how much money you leave them, if you don't teach them to have the right perspective, the right attitude about money, they could lose everything. Even if they don't lose everything, but the, the, the relation, relationship that they have with money will not be strong, will not be healthy. So you need to teach your children God's principles about money. And the side benefit to that is when you are older, your children are going to take care of you because they know, Right? Because they already have money, enough money to take care of you. So that's just the side benefit of, your, of teaching your children about money. Number four, don't be a leech. Don't be a leech. How many of you know what a leech is? Raise your hand. You know, oh, quite a few. Uh, number of people know what a leech is. This morning, not many people knew. Okay, I'm going to show you a photo of what a leech looked like. When I was little, I kid you not, we were so poor. I didn't have an iPad or an iPhone to play with. Didn't exist, obviously, at the time. But I, I remember, you know, I, I used to love so much uh, swimming in the pond, swimming in the, in the, in the uh, small little uh, puddle of water that we have in our neighborhood, a gutter, or whatever you call that. And we used to, a swamp, we used to love swimming there, especially when it rains. We just had to be careful of leeches. You know what a leech does? They attach themselves to your body, and they will suck the life and the blood out of you. All right? Uh, now, I want this to be a memorable lesson for you. So we have prepared some leeches. The, the host are going to... No, just kidding. Just kidding. Don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> but this is the imagery that, that the Bible uses uh, about how we need to approach our possession or our money. Listen to Proverbs 30, verse 15. The leech has two daughters. Give, give. More, more, they cry. They will never have enough. They will always want more. Give, give, more, more. Until when? Until forever. You see, uh, it's hard to keep up with the Joneses, right? But that's all we, that's what we do. A lot of people live in a Leechville. <laughs> and, and it's getting harder and harder by the minute because of social media. Now we know what other people are driving. We know what kind of houses they live in. We know, what, you know which destinations they go to for holiday. And it's so difficult for us right now to be content. You know, we're like leeches. Give, give, give. More, more, more. More, more, more. Never enough. Never enough. At some point, at some point, I want to encourage you. Every Christ follower must put an end to this. At some point, 
I don't know if you are in that situation or not, but at some point, maybe today is the day. Make today the day. Declare enough is enough. Enough is enough. I'm not going to compete with the Joneses anymore. I'm going to go to the Joneses and congratulate them. You win. Okay, that's it. I'm not going to fight you anymore. Maybe today is the day where you say, that's it. No more for me. I'm going to learn to be content. And when you have more and more, instead of increasing your standard of living, you increase your standard of giving. Yeah, it's not wrong to upgrade your car, but how many cars do you want to have really? How much savings do you want to have really? You know, when is enough enough for you? When you see no end in sight, maybe it's time for you to say, that's it. Today, I'm going to declare that what I have is enough. I'm going to be grateful for whatever is coming my way, but in my heart, I learn, I want to learn to be content with everything that I have. All right? That's number three. Don't be a leech. Don't say more, more, more. Number four, or number five, have a giving plan. Everyone must have a giving plan. All right? I don't care if you're a Christ follower or not. You need to learn to give. If you want to be happy, if you want your life to be fulfilled, Jesus says it is more blessed to give than to receive. All right? You need to trust Jesus in that. He knows what he's saying. He knows what he's doing. And not just giving sporadically, you need to learn to have a giving plan. You need to be consistent with your giving. You need to make it your habit. You need to make it your lifestyle. Listen to the word of the Apostle Paul. He says this, on the first day of every week, let me give you a bit of context. See, Paul planted these churches around the, the area, the Mediterranean area, and Paul always see needs in different areas, different churches. And sometimes he would encourage some churches to give so that the money can be given to those who need it in different areas who are poor, who are poorer. So this is what he said to the people in Corinth. He said, on the first day of every week, each of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. Now, a lot of details to be paid attention to here. First, each of you. That means it doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor. This is the calling for every single one of us. But I'm poor. I don't even have enough for myself. Why do you want me to give? Because it is important that you have a healthy attitude toward money. Okay, I want to give, but how much? I don't have much. Paul says, it doesn't matter. Give a sum of money in keeping with your income. That means if you have much, you give much. If you have little, you give little. In keeping with your income. That means you don't set the amount, but you set the percentage. If you don't have a lot to give, that's okay. The percentage should still be the same. Or maybe you can increase or reduce the percentage accordingly, depending on how much or how little money you have. But the lesson here is we need to learn not to live for ourselves, but we need to learn to put God first, to put the people around us first by learning to give consistently instead of giving sporadically. On the first day of every week, Paul was very specific. So in our context, maybe every paycheck that you receive, every time you receive pay, do not think about it. Just set aside a certain percentage and give it to God. All right? 
or give it somewhere. If you're not a follower of Jesus, give it somewhere, but you don't want to be a leech. You don't want to have more and more and be selfish more and more, but you want to learn to be generous. The principle that I teach people is this. Give, save, and live. 10, 10, 80. Give 10%, save 10%, and live on the 80%. All right? Obviously, this is just a general principle. You can change that number around. If you can live on 70%, maybe you can save 20%. That's good, right? You never know what's going to happen in the future. You need to be careful to plan, right? Jesus says, count the costs, right? Now, that, that could be one principle that you can follow. If you can't give 10% yet, it doesn't matter. Don't, don't, you know, don't let Christians guilt you into like, oh, if I don't give 10%, I'm disobeying God. I don't think so. I think people are on different spiritual journey. If you are, you know, uh, struggling still with finance, instead of not giving at all, why don't you start learn, learning to give, let's say, 2%. 3%, 5%. It doesn't matter. The point is, let us not hoard. Let us not be selfish. There are others poorer than us. Do you know that? Everything is relative, isn't it? There are always others who need it more than we do. And the kingdom of God always require financing for the gospel to expand and for more people to hear the wonderful message of the grace and love of Jesus Christ. So 10, 10, 80 Learn to give consistently. When you do, you know, we call you giver 2.0. Giver 2.0. Don't be a giver 1.0. What is a giver 1.0? A giver 1.0 is someone who gives because they see a need. Like, oh, I see a poor child, you know, uh, the, a, a, a really sad photo of a, of a poor child in Africa, and then your heart is moved, then you give. Maybe people guilt you into giving, so you give, right? Maybe you have a lot of money, Giver 1.0 is not necessarily stingy. When they have a lot of money, they give. But they don't give consistently. They don't know why they need to give. They just give by emotion, you know? They just give because they have a lot. But if you are a giver 2.0, what that means is you understand that you want to put and you want to prioritize God first with your finance. You understand that. You know, whether I have the motivation or not, whether I see a need or not, it's always good to give. You are consistent. You are faithful. doesn't matter if, if there's no uh, motivation, you know, there's no giving talk. You still give consistently anyway. And that's what God wants from all of us, especially if we are His followers. On the first day of every week, each one of you, set aside a certain amount in keeping with your income to help your brothers and sisters for the glory of God, all right? And then finally, number six, get ready for the final audit that is going to come our way, all right? Jesus says this in Luke 12, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded, and from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked, all right? Now, let me give you one piece of financial advice. The best financial advice you could ever hear anywhere. You will not find it in some seminars or some financial books. This is the best financial advice ever. Okay, are you ready? You might want to write this down. The best financial advice I can give you is to say to yourself often, I will die. <laughs> I will die. 
because that's all of us, right? In fact, why don't we say it out loud on the count of three? One, two, three. I will die. What a cheerful little saying to say in church <laughs> Sunday morning. But it's true, isn't it? All of us will die someday. All of us will be in the same size box. All of us will have to part with our toys. At that time, God is going to demand accountability from us. What have you done with what I have entrusted you with? Are you faithful or are you not faithful? Don't get me wrong. Eternal life is not about what you give or what you don't give. It's only by the grace of God. But we're talking about a different matter here. We're talking about accountability. We're talking about being responsible with what God has given us. Can I encourage you as we close? If you, like I said, you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, can I encourage you to set aside a sum of money and give it to your favorite charity? Give it to the Red Cross. Give it to Good Sammy. Give it somewhere. But learn to give consistently. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, can I encourage you, if you don't have anywhere specific to give your money to, can I encourage you to invest in our church? This coming Sunday, as Peter has said, is our Vision Sunday. So I want you to pray about how you can support God's vision for our church in reaching people who are still far from home, far from Him, by giving regularly as a kingdom builder, as a giver 2.0, giving consistently in this church, because we need it. We need you, all right? I believe God has given us this tremendous task ahead of us. I'm excited about the future of our church, but it requires all of us to pull together, to be united in this, and I guarantee you, Jesus himself reminds us over and over again, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, they don't reap. But your heavenly Father cares so much for them. Are you not worth so much more than the birds? When you give consistently, when you put God first, when you stand for God, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, you may not be an Elon Musk, you may not be a Jeff Bezos, but you will have enough. God will guarantee you that. In fact, in the Bible, it says your children and your grandchildren, they're not going to beg for food when you are faithful in following His command to be generous and to share because our God is a generous God. All right? So I want you to come next week. It's important that you come next week for the vision Right? Uh, with our brothers and sisters from Valdivis, it's important that you, if you want to miss one Sunday at all this year, don't make it next Sunday. I want you here. Can I, can I beg you from the bottom of my heart for you to be here? I think your presence is going to make so much difference as we look to God to remind us of why we're here, as we look to God to give us this wonderful vision for this community that we're in. I want you to listen to it. I want you to be there. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more great resources and to keep yourself up to date, head to our website. Visit therocks.church.